But once again, just welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for those who are online watching us. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll get into uh, today's message. Uh, God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are leading us and guiding us, and we ask for more of your wisdom as we navigate these challenging times, God. And God, as we uh, come before you and we study your word, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, God, that you would be magnified and glorified during this time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, I stepped back into a, a gym, a basketball gym, for the first time uh, since the pandemic hit in, in over 14 months. And it was back over at the Southeast Japanese School Community Center in Norwalk, and I was there to coach my daughter Katie's basketball team uh, for the first time uh, since things have reopened. And I remember pulling up to the parking lot and seeing a few of the parents outside, and I walked over, and we started chit-chatting, some of them who I hadn't seen uh, you know, for a year and a half. And we were just catching up, waiting for the gym to open, when uh, one of the parents kind of casually said, uh, who's supposed to open the gym for us? And then it hit me that, that I was the one that was supposed to open the gym and totally forgot. So I went over to the lockbox and I forgot the passcode, the security code, so I had to pull up an old note on my phone, got the key, opened the gym, turned on the lights, and, and I'll be honest, it felt really good uh, to be back in there. And for the most part, other than you know, a few COVID stations here and there, some thermometers, sanitizing stations, a gigantic ceiling fan that they implemented, everything was pretty much the same. It was the same gym floor, the same backboards, the same smell, the same sounds, the creaking floor, the bouncing balls, the, the sound of, of the kids just talking and laughing. On one hand, everything was the same just as it was, but at the same time, things were, were different. Most noticeably, the, the girls were, were different. Fourteen months was a long time, and they had grown older, they were taller, stronger, Voices have gotten a little deeper. I don't know if you can say that about girls, but <laughs> their voices got a little bit deeper. And they were no longer these big kids. They were like these little adults, right? mature and uh, just older. And in terms of basketball, some had, had gotten a lot better. They had been training throughout the pandemic, and there were some, a lot of them, who hadn't touched the ball in, in over a year. So for the past few practices, we've just been kind of reviewing the basics, you know, dribbling, passing, shooting, running, moving. In the same way, when it comes to, to us as a church, it's been so good to, to be back here, to be back together. And in some ways, it's like we're just picking up right where we, we left off. Same building, same chair, same Ambiance, which isn't much, but same, same equipment, same leaders. For the most part, we, we all kind of look the same. But at the same time, things have changed. Right? In light of the year, 14 months, in light of all the uncertainty we, that we face, the challenges and hardship, as well as the blessings and the rewards. There are some of us who are, are rested and excited and ready to go, and there are some of us who are, are weary and tired. There are some of us who, who grew a lot spiritually over this time, and there are some of us who it's been a struggle. In addition, there's, there's new faces here, and we're so grateful that you're with us. There are many who still join online, which is perfectly fine, but that's something we never had before. 
And there are some who have transitioned to, to other churches. And that's on one hand, we're, we're like the same church we were, but at the same time, we're, we're different. We're a different church today than we were a year and a half ago. And thus today, we're beginning a brand new series called Reconnect. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the basics of why we gather and what really matters. And during the time, we're going to be focusing on one section of Scripture, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, where we will see the essence of what it means to do life with God, under God, and for God. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with us to John chapter 15, begin with verse 1, or it'll be up on the screen. We're going to go ahead and read the entire section, but today we'll, we'll be focusing on the first four verses. Jesus says, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead of I've called you friends for everyone, everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Now, just to give you some context on this passage, this is Jesus' last night with his disciples before his eventual death. In chapter 13, they, they share a final meal together. And after this meal, Jesus would, would get up and, and wash the feet of each one of his disciples. And then he would sit back and he would talk about and reiterate the importance of things like love and humility, faithfulness and hope. And he would talk about the, the pending gift of the Holy Spirit that they would eventually receive. And here in chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus would share with his disciples his final I am statement. Right? In addition to, to what he's already said, I am the, the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the, the way, the truth, and the, the life. Here he says, I am the, the true vine. And my father is the, the gardener. Now, vine imagery, the usage of vine imagery was, was really common in the ancient world. 
And in the Old Testament, the vine was often a symbol to represent Israel, God's chosen people. And thus Jesus referring to himself here as the true vine is Jesus continuing the theme throughout the gospel that he's the ultimate fulfillment of the Old Testament promises and, and prophecies. In verse 2, he says, My father cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit he, he prunes. And this idea of fruit bearing is a significant theme here that we're going to look at, at next week. But then in verse 3, he says to his followers, his disciples, he says, You are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. In other words, what he's telling them is, you are a good branch. You are connected to the vine. You are bearing fruit, so, so you don't have to worry. You're good. But then in verse 4, which is what we're going to focus on this morning, he says, remain in me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. In other words, stay connected to the vine. Continue to do life with me. Continue to experience a relationship with me of deep intimacy, closeness, dependency. And the obvious implication here in these first four verses is that when it comes to Jesus and a relationship with Jesus, you're either fully connected or you're disconnected. You're either attached or you're detached. You either have a relationship uh, that is filled with intimacy and dependency or their separation. There's nothing in between. There's no in the middle. There's no kind of, sort of, sometimes, maybe, off and on, here and there, just okay. You're either connected or you're disconnected. And while that may sound kind of harsh to some of us, the disciples who were hearing this for the first time, they would have completely understood what Jesus was saying. That when Jesus said, stay connected to him, that they had a perfectly clear picture of what it looked like to be connected and what it looked like to do life with him because for three years they did life with him. They literally, physically walked with him. When Jesus moved, they followed. When he stopped, they waited. And over that span, they would watch him work, blessing, encouraging, teaching, healing, correcting, rebuking, performing miracles. They would travel with him, eat with him, fellowship with him, pray with him, laugh with him, cry with him. They would learn from him. They obeyed him, worshipped him, served him sometimes questioned him, even debated with him. There were moments of awe and wonder and moments of pain and, and doubt. Times where they experienced success and triumph and, and other times they experienced fear and failure. And thus when Jesus says to them, remain in me, they would have understood that Jesus was telling them to stay just as committed, to stay just as close and connected, to continue to do life just the way they've been doing. And the fact that Jesus tells them to remain 10 times in the first 11 verses, 
Right? Remain, 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 remain. It's 10 times. Highlights the urgency behind Jesus' words. It highlights the extreme importance and significance of being connected to Jesus. And it's easy for us to understand why Jesus was, was so, was pushing, why Jesus was highlighting this so much, right? It's easy for us to understand the urgency in Jesus' words because of what happens next. Right? We know, the disciples didn't know, but we know that shortly after this conversation, just a few hours, Jesus would, would be arrested. He would be beaten, tortured, crucified. Three days later, he would rise from the dead. Eventually, he would ascend into heaven, but not before commissioning them and eventually empowering them to, to make disciples of, of all nations. And thus, Jesus fully understood that for his disciples, that was a pivotal time in their lives to decide once and for all whether they would be committed to him regardless of whatever happened next. Now for us today, the, the obvious takeaway here is how vital it is for us as the church, for us as believers to be connected to Jesus. How important it is to be fully committed and devoted to pursue closeness and intimacy, to continue to constantly be present with Jesus, listen to Jesus, receive from Jesus, serve Jesus, worship Jesus, walk with Jesus, obey Jesus. There's nothing in between. There's no in the middle. You know, when the pandemic first hit, March of 2020, Right? We were forced, forced to, to close the doors and stay at home. You know, obviously, we as a staff, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety, stress, not knowing what to do, trying to, to figure things out. But there was one thing that gave us hope, one thing that enabled us to, to feel hopeful. And that was the idea, the thought, that perhaps God would use that season when we were forced to slow down, to kind of reset, to recenter, to refocus on our relationship with God. And maybe some of us did, and maybe some of us didn't, and, and that's okay. But now that things are reopening, now that things are come, going back to, to normal, we're getting to, to do the things that we we love to do and enjoy doing, and, and we praise God for those things, right? That we're healthy and able to do those things. But now that we're returning back to normal and things are getting busy again, there is the possibility that we lose sight of Jesus amidst all the, the busyness and the excitement. And thus, we believe that this is a pivotal time for us as individuals in a church, to decide whether we will be committed to being connected to Jesus, whether we will make him our highest priority, our most important relationship. So we are going to continue embracing the urgency of Jesus' words 
As we move forward, we want to embrace the urgency of, of being connected to Jesus, of walking with him, of making him our highest priority. But at the same time, while we want to embrace the urgency behind it, we, we also acknowledge that we need to embrace and enjoy the mystery of being connected to Jesus. You see, the irony of this passage, right, the irony of Jesus telling his disciples to stay committed, to continue doing life with him, is that he's about to leave them. Yes, he's going to send them the Holy Spirit, which will allow them, enable them to experience the same kind of relationship through the Spirit, but in a completely new and in different way. In a way where they can't see him or touch or feel him or actually hear from him for the most part. And thus it would be a process, a discovery, a kind of adventure. Back in the summer of, of 20, back in the summer of 2000, some of the college students like to tell me that they weren't born then. Back in the summer of 2000, Amber and I had our first unofficial date. Uh, the plan uh, that evening was for a group of us, there was four of us, to go watch a movie at the AMC at Century City Mall. Uh, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it was coincidence or whether they had planned it, but the two other people backed out the very last minute. So Amber just assumed that we would just postpone the hangout altogether, but I offered to pick her up at 6 o'clock. So we went over to the movie theater and we bought tickets to see the movie Final Destination which is kind of like a horror thriller about the inescapability of our predestined death. It's not the most romantic first date kind of movies. But the 7 o'clock showing, which we wanted to watch, that was sold out. So I was like, cool, let's just buy the 10.30 showing. Amber assumed that we would just go back to our apartments and then come back a few hours later. But I thought, why don't we just hang out and chat? So we grabbed some dessert. We sat down. And according to her, which I'm not 100% sure of, I proceeded to ask her a hundred questions, one right after another. Now, when I look back and think about it, I do kind of cringe a little bit, but fortunately, by God's grace, it wasn't our last date. But if somebody were to ask me for dating advice, while I may give them some general guidelines, like do something fun, be yourself, get to know each other, ask questions, I would never tell them, go watch a movie, see Final Destination, <laughs> buy tickets for four hours later, ask 100 questions. Right? I would never tell them that because, one, that's probably not good dating advice, but two, because every relationship is different. Right? Every individual is unique. Every one of us is different in, in our own unique way. When it comes to relationships, there's not a perfect formula that, that works for everybody. There's not a step-by-step -step instruction manual. There's no checklist that we, we have to go down. And the same is true when it comes to our relationship with, with Jesus. Right? When it comes to our relationship with him, there, it's, it's not a perfect science. There is no instruction manual, step-by-step. -step. There's no checklist. Sure, there are guidelines and suggestions, things like reading our Bibles, meditating on Scripture, prayer, fellowship, worship, serving in a ministry. But how we do what and when we do it, that is a, a process of discovery. It is 
there is an element of mystery. It is, in a sense, kind of an adventure. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For anyone who asks shall receive. To the one who seeks shall find. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus says, if you ask for more of him, he's going to give you it. If you seek him, you will find him. If you knock on his door, he will open it. But he doesn't tell us how. Asking is kind of straightforward. But how we seek him, how we knock on his door, like what do I knock on? He doesn't tell us how. But he wants us to ask. And he wants us to seek. And he wants us to knock. And if we ask and we seek and we knock, we will see. We'll find him. He will open the door to him. And that's our desire. And that's what we feel God is doing here. That we embrace the the urgency of Jesus' words, of being connected to him, but we also embrace the mystery that is a journey and it's a process of being connected, of experiencing a relationship with him. In a few moments, the worship team's going to come forward and we're going to sing the song Heart of Worship by, by Matt Redman, and it's a kind of a classic. And the story behind the song is in the late 90s, in Watford, England, at a church called Soul Survivor, it was a church that was, was booming and growing. Thousands of people coming out. Teenagers, young adults, older adults, filled with passion, filled with excitement, spiritual hunger and a thirst. Yet during that season, their pastor, a man by the name of Mike Pilavachi, he sensed that something was missing. That somehow amidst the excitement, they had lost focus. So he got rid of the sound equipment. Took away the worship team, the live music, the band. Fancy lights. In every gathering, they would just have a time to to worship with their voices, with with their hearts. And what he wanted them to, to wrestle with, what he wanted them to consider was why they gathered, and what really mattered. And Matt Redman, who was the the worship leader, director, worship pastor at the time, he acknowledges that he even wrestled with his own motives, his own callings, now that he couldn't lead worship. And it was out of this season that he wrote this song, The Heart of Worship. And the opening lyrics of the song says, "When, when the music fades... And all is stripped away. And we... I just went blank, so I have the words just in case. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. And I'll bring you more than a song, because a song in itself is not what you required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you.
It's all about you, Jesus. For an entire year, not by choice of our own, we had so much of this stripped away, taken away, unable to meet here, unable to worship together, no live music, unable to fellowship, serve alongside one another. And I'll be honest, during that time, I, I kind of wrestled with my role, my calling, now that I was unable to do a lot of the things that I'd become accustomed to doing. And in the end, for me, what I realized, what I was reminded of, that at the end of the day, it's, it's all about Jesus. It's about me being connected to Jesus and doing everything in my power to point you to Jesus and help you connect to Jesus and remain connected to Jesus. And now that we're together again, now that we're getting back to normal and getting to do the things that we love to do, we don't want to lose sight. We never want to lose sight that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So regardless of where we are, regardless of what we're doing, regardless of whether we are alone, regardless of whether we are together, side by side, worshiping together, our desire is that we would be a church where we can genuinely come before Jesus, say to him with all our hearts that it's all about you. It's all about you. Let me pray for us. Good and gracious Father, it is all about you, God. All about who you are and what you've done. God, and while things are looking good and, and we praise you that things are reopening and we're getting back to, to doing the things that we enjoy. We thank you for keeping us safe and healthy. God, may we never lose sight of why we gather. May we never lose sight of what really matters in this life. May we seek you. May we pursue you. May we hunger and thirst for you, God, and may you give us a hunger and thirst that is never satisfied in this life. So God, we invite you, as always, in this space. We set our eyes and our hearts on you. And we give you this time to honor and glorify you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.